Good evening, you're watching Stockwatch with me, Zinati Kuma, and joining me to unpack your stock-related questions tonight are Gary Boyson from Rancis and Grant Neda from Benguela Global Fund Managers. Be sure to send those questions via SMS to 41392, email us at stockwatch at bdtv.co.za or tweet us at businessdaytv using the hashtag stockwatch. Thank you so much for your time, gents. I'm actually going to go straight into the questions uh, because there are a lot of them today. Let's actually start off with uh, nvidia of course one of the big ones that markets were waiting for which i uh, came out uh, yesterday uh so the viewer says i bought nvidia before the results and uh, noticed it going down i'll keep them as i'm sure they will go up but i'd like someone from the panel to tell me why they do not pay dividends i'm sure this is why there is uh, no more upside on the stock uh, what is the point of having $80 billion in the bank and not giving it to shareholders? Okay, so quite a lot to uh, unpack there. Let's uh, start off with uh, why are they not paying dividends, uh, Gary? Well, they're not paying dividends because they're a growth stock uh, yeah. and, they're, and they're growing aggressively. As we can see, they, they triple their revenue and typically a growth stock. Uh, yeah, I mean, they... they they, they're looking to expand the business. So, so it's more assets. It's more, more business. It's not a, it, it, I don't think Nvidia is anywhere near hitting kind of like that saturation point that you, you find in, in the high dividend paying stocks. Um, so yeah, it, it, it's, a, it's, I suppose the typical nature of a growth company, not, not to pay a dividend, uh, because they want to expand. And that's, I think, what everyone's buying it. It's why it's in, in, in terms of, uh, its sales figures, the, you know, if, if you look at price to sales, it's the most expensive stock on the S&P 500 by, by almost double. Uh, yeah, I think MSCI is the next most expensive in terms of revenue. Um, and it's because you're paying up for all that revenue. And to get all that revenue, you got to spend money. Even if it's in your bank account, they, they're going to invest. Yeah. Uh, Gary, I'm glad that you touched on that, that, um, that, saturation, that saturation point that doesn't seem uh, visible at this point. Because the viewer says, I'm sure this is why there is no more upside to the stock. Those are not the signs that the markets are showing. <laughs> right, Grant? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, I think if you if you don't think there's any more upside, then you should rather take your profits if you've been holding it. Um, yeah. I think I think this is a stock with a very long story ahead of it. Argue, it's arguable whether you're paying the right price. I, I don't know at this point, but certainly the the growth opportunity is still massive. I think we're in the early stages of uh, the evolution of AI, uh, self-driving, uh, data center growth, etc. There's a lot of things happening that they are at the epicenter of. And so, yeah, I don't think the company's ex-growth, as Gary said, that's why they like to stockpile cash. And there's also a trend among these tech companies. They don't want to commit to paying dividends. They'll rather, you know, buy back shares if they feel they've got too much cash. Then they're not committed next year to, to buying back another $10 billion. That becomes a voluntary thing. So they have more freedom in, of choice around their cash than having a dividend policy that says we'll pay X every year. And that, that sort of pigeonholes them. They don't like that. Uh, all right. Well, uh, let's bring it back home uh, to retailer Mr. Price. It did come out with uh, its results today. Um, view on Mr. Price as a buy. Of course, we did see a lot of buying today. And I actually just want to know, Gary, I mean, what did markets hold on to here? Because, I mean, obviously they had that strong revenue growth, but then they were like, if it wasn't for Studio 88, it would have been 3.5% growth and also headline earnings did decline. So exactly what were markets banking on today? 
Well, I, I think it's it's less bad than than people were thinking it was going to be. So, as you said, I mean, the top line was obviously boosted by the, the Studio 88 acquisition, but we already had a trading statement, you know, giving us fairly deta fairly detailed outlook. So it's it's interesting that the market reacted as aggressively as it was mm -hmm. uh, today, because as I said, we we knew a lot of the information. I didn't pick up anything that was was particularly um, strange within within the company, uh, at least within the results that that you know kind of propelled the stock up as much as it is. And, and I think it's it's really it's a you know there's a couple of things to the story. So I actually put out Mr. Price as a, as a JSE stock pick. Um, I think it was on the 1st of November uh, at around 137 Rand a share. And, and, and the thesis behind it was that they, you know, they've had, you know, a terrible period. I mean, load shedding has absolutely crushed them. They haven't been as nimble as some of the other retailers. You know, consumers are hurting specifically, um, you know, in, in kind of that fashion, even fashion value. It's, it's typically a higher LSM type product and, and their omni-channel kind of presence. Uh, you know, it's, it's tough out there. There's, there's huge competition in that segment, uh, you know, not just from the listed players, uh, you know, like uh, Fashini or Truers, but from, uh, from international competitors as well. And at the same time, you know, they import a lot of their goods as well. Well, so a weaker currency is also bad for them. So it, it's a terrible place to be. The, the question is that uh, the valuation is incredibly cheap. Uh, you know, you're getting this uh, like a very well-run business uh, you know, that, that has a long track record at kind of 11 times earnings. Like you'll pay 20 times earnings for Shoprite, but only 11 times for Mr. Price. Now, if your if your view kind of a, a couple of years out is that interest rates are going to fall, we obviously had the NPC announcement today, you know, uh, unchanged from from the governor. But uh, if interest rates are going to fall and things are going to get a little bit better. Um, you know, there could be significant upside in the stock. I mean, it's been absolutely punished. So mm. for, for me, it was just, a, you know, people looking at the valuation saying, wait a minute, um, you know, it's, it's diversifying its business with Studio 88. Um, yes, it is buying up, uh, obviously, those top line sales, but but overall, not as bad as we expected from from a, from a tough period. And, and that's why they, they're buying it up. That's that's what I saw in you. Know? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that, that Studio 88, a good acquisition, but it also does, it, it seems tricky because they also said um, it, it also operates on uh, lower margins um, and also its earnings are more weighted uh, towards the second half of the year. Uh, Grant, uh, what did you make of those numbers, but also would you be viewing Mr. Price as a buy or not? Uh, so I think they were also, I agree, they were less bad. And I think some of the market's response is a function of market positioning. I think a lot of hedge funds and other players have been short to the retailers into this gloomy economic outlook. Mm. And uh, that often happens where you get things just start to look a little better. And as Gary said, if you take a 12, 18 month view, things are more likely to be better a year from now than, than where we are now. And if that, and if you believe that these, these stocks are presenting value, these cyclical discretionary players. And uh, so, so I agree that it's, it makes sense to be nibbling at, at these attractive valuations. I don't think the results were particularly good I think they're going to continue to, to struggle with market share and with margin. But again, a rising tide will lift all boats when it comes to these retailers as things improve on the macro. And I think rates have peaked, um, and so that will favor them. So, yeah, I mean, I think they're in a tough space. The Studio 88 did, did color the, the painting a little prettier than it would have been otherwise. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I think you can buy Mr. Price here. Uh, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't, I, I would be quite tactical about it. Um, perhaps, you know, the time to buy it was in the 130s. Uh, it's had a nice run now, so um, perhaps be just a little careful of some of the short covering. 
pushing the price in the short term. Ah, and I was actually just looking at True Words because uh, I mean, TFG came out, Mr. Price came out, and investors acted, uh, reacted quite positively. But we did have when uh, True Words came out with its update, uh, markets didn't quite like it. But as you said, Grant, a high tide lifts all, uh, lifts all boats uh, because I do see True Words up today by about four uh, percent. Uh, let's move on mm -hmm. to uh, other questions. Uh, panel's view on SA REITs. With a potential drop in interest rates in the near future, of course, Gary, you were talking about um, the expectation of interest rate cuts, uh, the impact that would have on retailers. Would you say, uh, yeah, the same sentiment for SA REITs? Yeah, I think I think the same mechanics are at play there. So, yeah, REITs are interesting. I think you need to be quite selective on on which REITs you're, you're going to buy into. Um, I think there has been a structural change within within office specifically. Uh, you know, as much as I think more and more people are heading back to back to the office, and and you, you're getting the sense that it, it's it's becoming that that new normal that we're all talking about is is kind of going back to the old normal. Mm -hmm. But we're still mm -hmm. sitting here on on a Zoom call today. You know, the, this is still digitally. We're not in studio, and and I think. I think there has there has still you know even with the, the the kind of changes that we've seen maybe over the last year, I think office you may need to be a little bit more careful of. But uh, in terms of, of of retail or industrial, absolutely you know lower interest rates uh, it makes the economy that much more attractive. It makes uh, you know projects you know the, the weighted average cost of capital drops, so projects become viable, uh, businesses start booming, uh, businesses hire more people, people have more discretionary income, they go and spend, shops are busier, the economy expands, and and I think that's that's. That's, that's very much a, an argument for REITs. Um, you know, a lot of the South African REITs also have, you know, wonderful international exposure as well. So you're, you're not limited to to the South African economy, where you know we have our, our, an energy crisis that will curtail growth. And I think that's that's the lens that you've got to look at South African, pro or at least uh, South African listed property REITs through. Is is yes, South Africa is difficult, and and you know, like as you guys know, I've I've. I've kind of followed and, and invested in storage for years and years and years because it's a very interesting speciality read that does well in difficult economic times. But, uh, but I think also just, just be aware that, you know, when you're investing in property, yes, low interest rates are going to help, but it also is a function of, of what people can pay in terms of rentals as well. Mm -hmm. So uh, it's not just that interest rates are lower. Hey, this is a comparable product to bonds with lower interest rates, you know, uh, bonds have risen, you know, we're not getting the yield, hey, let's go buy property because you, you need tenants, you need tenants that can pay as well. So, so be aware of the, the kind of asset that you're buying into. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Just talking about us going back to the old normal, maybe uh, landlords also need to thank load shedding. Uh, I'm, I'm just trying to look at the glass half full here. Uh, <laughs> Grant, um, SA REITs, uh, Growth Point also did come out with uh, an update when was it yesterday, two days ago. Um, green shoots, of course, but it's, there's still like this cautiousness um, that all these um, property companies are coming out with. Uh, would you be getting into them or, or not at this point? I think if your risk appetite is a little bit lower than, say, buying a discretionary retailer, Mr. Price, the, the REITs are not a bad place if you get a nice yield and a bit of a capital re appreciation, potentially your total return outlook is actually quite nice. But bear in mind, as Gary said, you have to be careful in which sector you're playing. Some have been are slow to recover. Retail has held up very well. You know, industrial's been pretty good, but office has been terrible. So there's a lot of supply and demand dynamics under the surface. Rental reversions are still, there's still a lot of pressure around trying to pass on increases in rental. So I think it's a safe play. It's not going to give you the best upside exposure to a recovering outlook in South Africa, but they'll they'll benefit if load shedding eases, they'll benefit from falling rates and a generally better economic outlook. So I think you'll be okay there if you if you just buy the qualities.
stick mm. to the quality. Uh, before we go into break, um, Ford Motor Company, um, Ford Analysis, is it a good buy, uh, Gary? Oh, starting with me on Ford. <laughs> so, but Ford, Ford's a difficult one. So, so you know, if you look at the, the I suppose the, the big Detroit uh, car manufacturers, I mean, their lunch has been eaten by by someone like Tesla from a share, shareholder point of view. You know, everyone is bought into the the EV story, and uh, you know, it's 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 a difficult it's a difficult difficult question because. Mm. You know, for a long time, I was quite, quite pro, you know, specifically when markets were running hard pre-COVID and, and everything started to look very, very expensive. I mean, that's actually the point at which, you know, we picked up a little bit of Ford for some clients, but uh, our kind of model model portfolio pick was actually General, General Motors at that stage, saying that this thing is trading on, yes, you're not really expecting growth, but it's just trading on an incredibly low multiple compared to something like a Tesla. So that was the thesis, bring a little bit of stability to the portfolio, build a margin of safety. It has been an absolutely appalling pick and and i think that the reason that it has been such a such a poor pick as well is that you know this industry so if you look at the automotive industry it is incredibly competitive and and part of the thesis was that uh, you know ford gm vw these might be very cheap and and let's say the, the the european auto manufacturers have done a lot better if you look at bmw vw they've done a lot better than the 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 the, the us uh, manufacturers but the idea was these companies they have a huge amount of money to spend on technology they are going to move towards an electric vehicle future and to see them as the old stagnant dinosaurs and tesla as the new one it doesn't doesn't gel it doesn't make sense so buy the cheaper one sell the more expensive one mm -hmm. um, as i said it has it hasn't worked out at all and and i think that the problem is that the the fleet of vehicles in the world is 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 almost uh, stagnant. You know, you might be switching from a petrol car to an electric car, but you're not producing three times the number of cars. So the growth is going to be quite subdued. And mm. and I think that's one of the reasons that they just haven't performed and that even with incredibly attractive multiples. So I'm looking at Ford at the moment. I mean, Ford is trading at, at 6.7, uh, you know, on, based on last 12, 12 months uh, earnings. I mean, that is that is cheap. It is just so cheap. I mean, if you look at even the sell side consensus for, for the stock price move, I mean, you know, you've got plenty of analyst coverage because you always do on, on a US stock like this, which is so wonderful. It keeps, it keeps the, the, the pricing so accurate. You've got such good price discovery. I mean, they're looking for, for at least 28% upside from here. But the, the point is over the last three to five years, you just haven't received anything as a, as a shareholder. It's been really, really a, a difficult ride. So a, a difficult question. And I kind of, I'm still sitting, I haven't given you an answer um, whether you should go and buy it yeah. or not. But because I, I really don't know. I mean, I think that there's real concerns around them yeah. not being able to perform. Um, but they're cheap, man. It's, it's dirt, dirt cheap stuff. Okay. All right. Grant, I'm going to come to you with Sibanya. But quickly, uh, Gary's already given us a lot of analysis on Ford. But the question is, is it a buy? He did say it's cheap. Would you be buying it no. or not? <laughs> no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't buy it. It's a value trap. Uh, they, they, they can't invest... They have to invest all of their profit into 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 building out EVs, or so shareholders won't get any return from that. And mm. EVs are a much lower return profile in terms of profitability for them because they're not anywhere near the production level they need to to drive the scale. So I just think that they're just too many challenges, and they're facing that kind of innovators dilemma whether mm. to cannibalise them to their own profitable business in eventually hoping they'll be profitable in a new business. So. No, I think it's. I think it is cheap, but I think it will stay cheap. Yeah. I so I wouldn't. I wouldn't buy Ford. Ah, uh, all right. Ah, uh, Sibanye. 
Sibanye. We have seen a lot of dumping on Sibanye. Um, and of course, it was uh, after they announced uh, that they will be issuing convertible bonds. Uh, somebody is saying, I'm aware of the planned convertible bond, but can your panel please explain the technical aspect of the drop in Sibanye's share price? Um, so how does the conversion price at a 30% premium impact the number of shares to be issued? Grant. So... It's, it's unclear whether this is what's happened, but what typically happens with convertible issues is you get uh, arbitrages, so um, convertible debt arbitrages. They will subscribe for a, a big chunk of the, the debt, and in that debt, in that convertible element, is an embedded call option on the company. And so they will they basically try and extract value out of that call that they see, uh, and, and doing so, they need to hedge that exposure. And... It's, I don't want to get too technical, but essentially their hedge is to sell shares. Mm. So if I buy that convertible bond and I don't want the share exposure, I will sell short on those Sibanya shares. And if you think about the issue of $500 million, it's about 8 or 9 billion rand. Uh, and if you had to hedge it, half of that, for example, would be a significant number of shares, 4.5 billion, um, which is typically what you would hedge per per rand on that, on that option. So... I think there's a lot of market mechanics in that big sell-off is, is the first thing I want to say. And yeah. I, I, we won't get more technical than that. So it could be a bit misleading. Obviously, it did raise a few eyebrows and maybe make people a bit concerned about the prospects. What do they see that we don't see that they're so concerned about yeah. that they feel the need to raise so much cash? Uh, that's a concern. Uh, it was quite delusionary in terms of pricing. It's not like they're issuing at the top of the cycle. So that's another concern. Um and and also, they, what are they going to spend the money on? Their recent track record of acquisitions hasn't been particularly good. Uh, I feel like they're rushing into everything they can lay their hands on in a bid to diversify into green metals and alternate sources of, you know, whether it's lithium or other things. And so it feels a little bit haphazard, a lot of money getting thrown at the wall. Um, I, I, don't, I don't have comfort that the ship is being steered carefully at the moment. And if I was going to play PGMs, I would rather look at a, a, a much higher quality business like Amplats or or implants at this point. Yeah. So it's possible the share price recovers to some extent um, because of those dynamics that may have w need to wash through the system. But I can't say for sure. Yeah. Uh, Gary, are uh, investors uh, most nervous about the dilutive uh, element, um, but also with this pressure, could it be a buy? It's a good question. So, so yes, I, I mean, I think I think Grant has explained it. You know, the kind of market mechanic side of it well. Mm -hmm. But but at the same time, you know, when you issue convertible bonds, they, you you would expect the dilution down the line. And you know, market market participants, you know, in size are, are also not, not not dumb. So so they'll they can calculate the the, the dilution the, the potential dilutionary impact, and it will change it'll change your your price expectation significantly and and suddenly you might have been willing to buy it at 24 and a share but now you're only willing to buy it uh, 19 and and the price automatically drops it doesn't necessarily have to be those those cells coming through the market but uh, i mean the di the dilution yeah absolutely i think it is a concern for investors uh, and, and just to, to grant's point i think you've you've got to understand what you're buying when you buy a savanya as well so uh, it's certainly not not for widows and orphans as they say it's a it's a highly speculative stock as as most uh, commodity mining companies are specifically specifically commodity miners that that are exposed to a specific uh, metal group uh, so when you know when pgms are doing well of, of course a banya could do no wrong the share price is going to shoot up you, you need to think back to something like tungela i mean when when coal prices are flying because there's a you know an external event like a like a war in the ukraine
happening, um, you know, suddenly the share price is doubling and tripling and quadrupling. But but the same happens in reverse when when prices fall. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I mean, I, t- I take Grant's point that uh, it does look like they're they're doing a lot of deals. But I mean, this has always been a, the type of company that is not afraid to go and do deals. And you know, they did incredible deals at the at the bottom of the platinum market. And and I think time will tell whether the the, the move towards these green metals and the battery metals, you know, prove, prove Neil Froneman and the team to be you know exceptional deal makers or just cowboys that uh, that got burnt. And uh, you know, they, they've pulled it off before. I mean, if you think of what happened when when they did the Stillwater transaction, everyone was critical of that. They, you know, too much debt, way too much debt. Never going to pay that down. And you know, they, did they get lucky that the the the, the, the platinum cycle turned? You know, may, maybe. But uh, but I think I think Ron is one hundred percent right. It, it's 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 uh, it's a it's a it's a high risk company that you're investing in and, and you're going to have high volatility on the back of it because, but, but it's the same as what you would expect with any commodity company. So you know, is, I think your question was, is it a buy at these levels? Yes. I, think, I mean, I think you can nibble, but it's, it's a buy for a certain profile of investor. You know, I don't think Grant was talking about how, you know, you could go and buy property REITs and you're not going to shoot the lights out because, you know, it's a stable, more safer type of investment. This is at the other side of the spectrum. Mm. You know, if, if, if you see metal prices going up, you're going to get the operating leverage moving through the business. All of that profit is going to drop to the bottom line and you're, you're going to suddenly be looking at a share price three times what it is today. Mm. But, you know, there's also the, there's also a very real possibility that you're looking at uh, half or a third of your money. So, yeah, take it where it comes from. All Maybe right. more of a trade than a buy. <laughs> oh, okay. I, all right, all right. I hear you there. Um, well, still sticking to commodities, Glencore. I'm thinking of buying Glencore for a long-term investment. Uh, also, with the hope that once their cold business has been unbundled. Uh, out of Glencore in about two years' time, it would hopefully create shareholder value similar to when Anglo unbundled uh, Tungela Grant. Um, yeah, do you get in hoping for this whole uh, value unlock in two years' time? I, I think if you want to be invested in resources, you can own Glencore even without the thinking of two years' value unlock in yeah. two years' time because okay. this is a very astute management team. When they do deals, they usually do them at the right price and in the right areas. And, you know, I think they've got a good track record, less cowboy-like. Some cowboy elements, but they really have a good long track record of of doing the right things. It's a solid business with a good portfolio of metals. I mean, I think Glencore is a good business. I think you can own it anyway. And that may, and they do have a, a big focus on shareholder value creation. Mm. So I think you will see value unlock in a couple of years' time as a consequence of this deal. And so, yeah, I, I would... I would be a comfortable holder of Glencore. Okay. Probably my second pick in the in the resources space. Ah, in- interesting. Uh, Gary, on your side, would you be going into Glencore or not? Uh, yes, yeah, we we hold Glencore in our local model portfolios. So, so absolutely, I, I think Grant is right. Uh, I mean, a good track record. A little bit different from some of the other diversified miners, as they got the marketing arm as well. And uh, you know, Definitely. I mean, there's obviously a change in the management. So Ivan Glazenberg, who's been there forever, is uh, obviously handing over the reins. And, and I think that maybe adds a small element of risk. But, yeah, this is a, a big multinational resource company. And I think for South African investors or investors that are, you know, accessing the, the market through a local exchange, let's say that you're, you're buying something within a, within a reg. 28 product. Um, you know, we have we are so fortunate in South Africa on our exchange to have exposure to incredible uh, mining companies. You don't need to go to Australia or, or, or London to buy these. You can buy them right here at home. And uh, I think Glencore being listed on our market is fantastic and, and, and definitely uh, worth having in portfolios. It, it also, you know, to an extent acts as a round hedge as well. So, so 
should be, I, I would say, in a diversified portfolio, Glencore should be a component. Ah, all right. Well, uh, gents, let's get to your stock picks for today. We have uh, a minute between the two of you. So, Grant, what will it be today? So I'm, I'm building on the view, uh, the improving outlook in South Africa, a little more optimistic with a 12-month outlook. I like AVI. I think it's proved incredibly resilient in holding on to its margins through this really tough cycle. We've seen it outperform all the other food producers. And I think as food inflation drops off, they're going to recapture some of their old margin. As people con uh, have a bit more confidence, maybe a bit more money in the pocket, they will come. They will shop up a little bit back to some of the more uh, luxury brands or the more sort of higher LSM brands that AVI has. Uh, and so and in the meantime, you're getting paid a 7% dividend yield. We're looking forward at a company that's really one of the highest quality businesses on the exchange at a decent valuation. And it's just a nice sleep at night, capture some of the optimism that may play out over the next six to 12 months. And if it doesn't, you'll still be fine. Mm. So that's my pick. All right. Uh, Gary, quickly on your side, your stock pick. No, I'm going for my research team is going to hate me for this one because we were debating it at, at length this morning. <laughs> and uh, but yeah, I'm going to go with growth points. So I'm going to kind of build on our theme that we're talking about today about, uh, you know, almost the, the safer property option. Uh, you know, it, it's typically a bellwether of the South African or well, I suppose of the South African listed uh, environment. Mm. Um, it's not necessarily just South African. So, you know, about 62 percent of its uh, if its assets are within South Africa, 30 uh, percent in Australia, about eight and a half percent in the UK. So you do have that that kind of spread. It does have obviously an office component as well within the portfolio, but uh, kind of looking at looking at consensus estimates, I mean, we're looking for at least sort of 12 or 13 percent uh, upside over the next year. And it also comes with a chunky kind of 12 percent uh, forecast uh, distribution. So, uh, you know, that's that's reasonable. That's, you know, above above what you can expect from the market on average. And I think in a falling interest rate environment uh, that we could potentially have over the next three years, um, I think that it will I think you're going to do well with it. And, and as Grant said uh, earlier in the show, it's uh, these property REITs are, are maybe a safer option than some mm. of the others. So I'll play it safe today and go with growth points. All right. Well, thank you so much for your time and for your analysis today, gents. Really, really appreciate it. That is all for Stockwatch this evening. Thanks to our guest Gary Boyson from Ransus and Grant Neda from Benguela Global Fund Managers. Coming up next, the close. Stay with us. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you.